Hey y'all, this is Kobe R. Rice and I'm back again for another weekly, not so weekly, creative update. And um, first and foremost, it is Wednesday, April 1st. So happy April Fools to all of you. Although this <laughs> whole year has been a joke and a big fool. So I don't know if this day makes a difference. But in any case, happy April Fools. It is April 1st, 2020. And I have officially, as of this morning entered into my third week of quarantine and lockdown being that the school that i work at basically told us on march 11th that we needed to stay home and since i've been home wow so many things have happened i mean it's been such a crazy emotional and just like physical and life roller coaster so we'll get into that we'll also get into the actual things I was able to accomplish in the past not only three weeks but also in the past quarter which I don't know is sort of like a weird update to make at this point the start of this year has been really just insane and we'll get into that in just a second okay so sorry for the delay I'm listening to see if my child is like waking up yet but first and foremost, welcome back to the epic, fantastical journey of a Black female sci-fi writer. I am Colby R. Rice, novelist, screenwriter, slash TV writer, director, producer, dramaturg, theater maker on occasion, <laughs> narrative designer, game designer, etc., etc. I dabble, as you guys know, and so I really do enjoy the dabbling, although I have had to bring the definition of dabbling to a whole new level ever since the COVID-19 pandemic hit. So just a quick update before we even get into anything else. Um, new York, which is where I currently live, has been the hardest hit by the pandemic of all the 50 states. And at this point, the United States as a country has now become a central hotspot for the virus and that was mostly because of our lack of response and our late response to the worldwide pandemic um i think it's a combination of like pride hubris and just ignorance all creating a perfect storm wherein people are now getting sick and they are now dying which is really terrible and me and my family and my daughter do our best to you know just put out the positive vibes and prayer and help people where we can, you know, physically and concretely, not just spiritually, but concretely. And um, it's just been a really wild, uncertain, pretty terrifying ride. I'm not going to even sugarcoat it at all. And I think the biggest point of contention for most of us is that we are a little bit anxious about what the new normal is going to look like. I think, as I said in my last podcast, there are a lot of positive things that are coming out of this in the sense that now that we realize how underprepared we are for this sort of pandemic, now that we realize that we can be more prepared in the future if anything else like this were to happen and probably honestly will happen. It just seems to show in our history as a species as human beings that plagues come in and they wipe out populations or they change the way of life 
for better and for worse. And this is just another page of history in that particular vein. Um, you know, I've just been thinking a lot about like the historical plagues that we've had, like the bubonic plague, um, the Spanish flu of 1912, or was it 1914? I think it was from 1912 to 1914. And how those pandemics pretty much changed people's entire way of life and also are changing people's perspectives. And even though we were more technologically prepared and medicinally prepared to save lives, the mentality around how we are how we're handling these pandemics on a social, cultural, economic, and political level, we seem to not have really evolved that much. And I'm just kind of waiting for us as a human race to just like do better. But as you say, as we say, as one says, history repeats itself. So back to the original sort of point that I was trying to make, being that we've hit week three of lockdown, um, New York is now essentially in a state of emergency. The hospitals are overcrowded. They're insane. I have quite a few family members in my family who are working in the hospital system, either as nurses or techs or supply tech people or, you know, in, in those sort of capacities. And I have to say, just what they're telling me about their personal experiences, the numbers just do not capture the qualitative, in-person, anecdotal terror that my family members feel and that they're witnessing in these emergency rooms. And so just on so many levels, this is a very serious situation. And um, just to see how, again, individual people are reacting, it's teaching me a lot about humanity and it's teaching me a lot about people. I'm learning a lot about myself during this crisis. I'm learning a lot about the people in my life. Um, I have to say, I definitely know not to expect much from certain individuals in times of crisis. And I've really learned who I can absolutely a thousand percent lean on during these types of situations. And I've learned about myself in terms of my inner strength and my ability to support and thus far, I'm actually really proud of how I've been showing up during this crisis. So in some way, in kind of like a twisted, crazy way, it depends on how you take it, I have learned a lot of positive things about myself during this crisis. And um, it makes me feel like I'm actually on the right track to being a better human being. At least I hope I am. Let's put it that way. Um, so... That is basically what is happening here. Um, I think worldwide we are now over 600,000 cases strong with the virus. In the United States alone, I think I think we have about half of those cases. Um, and in New York specifically, we have half of those cases. So most of the cases of COVID-19 are over 50% of those cases that are within the United States are located specifically in New York. So we are on extremely tight lockdown. All businesses have been closed um, with the exception of those businesses who can export out goods or deliver food or what have you. Um, all non-essential businesses have been closed. Um, so 
the post offices are open, grocery stores are still open, thankfully. Um, but everything else that is non-essential is closed down to physical presence. And a lot of people have moved their services to either delivery services or remote services. So um, you don't really see many people out and about or on the streets as you would. It's very much a ghost town. Pretty much everywhere I go, when I do go out, it's pretty empty and pretty eerie. It reminds me of I Am Legend, honestly. That's how I felt when I was in New York City just the other day for business, not just because I'm out frolicking or what have you, but I needed to be there. And it was pretty eerie. And so um, being that we are the place where we have the most crowding of hospitals, our supplies are dwindling day by day, we're in desperate need of ventilators and um and masks, the N95 masks, all those supplies are really dwindling. And um, our governor is really honestly kicking a lot of ass out here. He is showing his true leadership. And it makes me really proud to be a New Yorker under such strong leadership when the leadership from the federal government seems to be a little wishy-washy at this point. So that gives me some, you know, hope and it makes me feel all the more that New York is really a place where like you have the grittiest people, you know, maybe not the grittiest in the world, but certainly amongst the top gritty people in the world who just dig in and fight back and hang on and are stubborn and are hustlers and really handle business when it comes down to business. Um, it just really makes me proud to be a New Yorker. It makes me proud to be under the leadership of our governor, who is really on point with his with with his leadership skills. Um, so, having said all of that, um, I think the primary thing that I'm personally dealing with, like on a personal level, is lack of social interaction, and um, you know, just kind of being stuck inside of a house where each one of us is going through his or her own emotional roller coaster. So sometimes we wake up and we don't really know what to expect from the other people who are near us and around us. And um, just the general, again, isolation, the social trapping, and the lack of certainty about the future. And honestly, there's nothing that has ever been certain about the future. Let's just keep it real, right? But at the same time, this is the first time that for me, I've doubted my own ability to recover because I can be as uncertain about my life path as I am or as I want to be, but as long as the world around me continues to turn, I have hope that I can just regroup and launch myself back out there because there's a world of possibility. Now, though, externally, the world has essentially, at least in my corner of the world, we have come to a standstill. So in many ways, the world itself has kind of stopped turning on my side of the pond. I'm not gonna speak for the rest of the world because it seems as though China and South Korea and Singapore, they seem to be coming out of this pandemic, which is hopeful and that actually gives me hope. But right now, the Western world, so to speak, we're still very much in this earth shattering, earth stopping pandemic and we can't really see much ahead of us because things continue to change very rapidly. So, it's kind of hard sometimes to see and plan for a future when you don't 
really know if the future is going to like be there, I guess. And that sounds really dramatic, but I don't mean it in a dramatic way. It's just more so that when things are going on normally around you, you can see yourself forging a path. But when things are kind of chaotic and dark and crazy, you definitely have to like double down, triple down, quadruple down on forging a path because not only are you trailblazing a path for yourself individually, you're also trailblazing a path through a world that officially has erased all its own paths, or seemingly so, if that makes sense. Anyway, I'm going to stop rambling about that. Just the general uncertainty does not help for your own personal life security, and that's the thing that I'm struggling with the most, I think. Um, And, you know, just like with many other people, like I go through my ups and downs. I have my high notes and my high, my times of like feeling great and like I am on point. And then I have my lows where I'm feeling hopeless or I have my bouts of depression that I'm dealing with in terms of, again, trying to look into the future and trying to see a future that makes sense for myself, my daughter and my family. And um, I'm just embracing it. I'm actually not judging anything that I'm feeling or going through right now. Um, I know some people are judging others and themselves if they're not completely stoic and just ready to take everything on. Um, I embrace being a human being. And so there are days where I feel really strong and really, you know, steadfast and like I'm making progress and I'm going to keep pushing. And then there are some days where I just don't want to talk to anybody and I don't want to get out of bed because I'm depressed about what's going on in the world and what's going on with people dying around us. So um, still trying to work on how to balance out those two sides of myself and have the positive win out more often. But I'm also, again, being gentle with myself and giving myself some grace because that's the least we can do in times of uncertainty, death and dissolution is give ourselves, give ourselves some grace. So we are now in week three. Theoretically, we're supposed to be coming into well, coming back to our physical workplaces April 19th for my job. I'm not saying for the rest of New York, but just for my job. They want us to return on April 19th. But at this point, it's very unlikely that we're going to be anywhere near any sort of public school building or public space before the beginning of May. Um, Honestly, I would be shocked if we were even back in our school building or anywhere public as of May 1st. So um, April is just, I'm just gearing up for me to be quarantined for another month at the least, Um, probably two months, if not three. Uh, I I definitely, I honestly personally don't see us going back to school at all until the fall. Um, I think we might be let back out into society maybe as of like July 1st. I feel like that's probably reasonable. But um, every single time I turn on the news, numbers are doubling of illnesses and of deaths. And we haven't even hit our viral peak yet. That's coming in two to three weeks. So honestly, I feel like this particular school year for me as a theater teacher is pretty much over in terms of the physical in-person aspect. And I'm just gearing up for us to continue our online remote and virtual learning protocol until the end of June, which is when our school year ends. 
So that's what I'm personally preparing for. And um, I'm not just preparing for that physically and intellectually with my materials, but I'm also preparing for that mentally and emotionally because that means I need to have another three-month plan as to how I'm going to stay sane. <laughs> um, and also have a three-month plan as to how I'm going to balance my work with my daughter's homeschooling, with also the creative things that I want to do this year because if there's one thing that I am determined to do is it not and that that is to be productive on a creative level and um I've decided because I'm telling you guys I told you guys last podcast that I am officially suspending my year of silence I have decided that on the creative uni front I'm going to focus mostly on honing my screenwriting skills and my tv writing skills those are the two skills I'm going to focus on. I wanted to focus on filmmaking, directing, and producing, obviously, but I probably won't even be back in a public space until the fall, and I won't have time to, to make a film or direct a film. So I'm pushing that back to 2021, and I'm going to focus this year on what I can control, which is my reading, my learning, and my writing skills. So this is now officially the year of the TV writer, the year of the screenwriter, and of course, the year of the novelist. So having said that and having segued into that, let's talk about the creative achievements for March. And then I'm going to do a Q1 wrap up of the things that I've accomplished despite the craziness. All right, let's get started. Okay, y'all. So basically this past quarter, has been pretty much a wash. I'm not even gonna front or lie or try to pretend um, because, wow, what an upheaval just on all different levels. And it's an interesting upheaval because it's the upheaval that I believe the world was kind of asking for. And it was what I was asking for, just I didn't want it to manifest in this particular way. And I'm just gonna be real. And when I say I didn't want the upheaval to manifest in this way, I did not want a literal plague to come and descend upon humanity and force us into this upheaval and this change. But it seems as though the universe has seen fit to make change happen this way. Because to be frank, I don't know if the upheavals that we needed and the change and the evolutions that we need, we needed in our society, I don't think those changes would have come organically without all of these things happening. So the past three months has been, or the past quarter rather, has been just a time of inner and external transformation. And so for the first two months of the year, I honestly wasn't really doing much except for maintaining. And that was literally not working for me. Um, and when I say maintaining, I mean that my job was so intense and there were so many things that we were juggling in terms of, like I said, evolution, change, um, just how to manage our day-to-day -day responsibilities. So much of that was happening that I wasn't really able to slow down, smell any roses, do any writing or really make any significant constructive change in any area of life. It was just work, go to sleep, wake up at 4.30 a.m., get my daughter ready, 
both of us travel down to my job at the crack of dawn. I drop her off at school. I go to school, work, end the day, rehearsal, pick her up, and rinse and repeat. And um, so basically for the first two months of the year, the only significant things I actually accomplished were me teaching because obviously that's what I do most of the day and then co-directing our wonderful musical The Color Purple which honestly was a bright spot in my day because in teaching theater you don't always get to teach everyone who is super jazzed and excited about what it is you do but when you're casting for a show you only get those, oops, I think I hit the mic, you only get those individuals who are excited and passionate about what we all do. And so it's just a lovely, refreshing change of pace when at the end of the day, I can switch gears out of like pulling teeth mode and go into, whew, this feels a lot easier. It feels like it's flowing more. I feel like we all want to be here like being in that mode and being in that spirit is a wonderful way to end my days and to just reaffirm why i'm doing what i do so i had two months of that of basically doing the working and then doing the directing and that's pretty much all i was able to really get accomplished honestly because on the weekends it was about resting and it was about getting the stuff done on the weekend that i would I don't have time to do during the week, like laundry, grocery shopping, cleaning up, things like that, and also just resting, obviously. So January and February were like really crazy, and honestly, like I wasn't always in a positive frame of mind during those two months because of just the hectic nature of how my life was set up. And then it's so crazy. I sat down literally at the end of February and I had a conversation with my higher powers, with my higher self, with the universe. And I said, I need to set some solid intentions as to how the world around me and how my world needs to change in order to facilitate a deeper inner contentment and a more productive, creative schedule. I swear on everything, I sat down and had this conversation with myself and I decided that this year was gonna be the year of the novelist, TV writer, screenwriter, and I'm definitely going to make the time and the space spiritually, emotionally, and physically for this other aspect of my life that I was so passionate about. And I also said to, to the universe, I'm gonna come into this with a virgin brain and when I say virgin brain I mean I'm wiping clean everything that I think I know about making art about writing screenplays about filmmaking about everything I am pretending as though I know nothing I'm gonna reread the books I've already read and I'm gonna read a whole bunch of new books and I'm going to make a daily practice of being a better artist and specifically a better writer so I sat down, I affirmed all this, and I swear on everything, 11 days later, I'm getting quarantined because of the COVID-19 pandemic, where now I have everything that it is I was asking the universe for, it just came packaged very differently. And 
many ways it's packaged in a more harrowing way because the effects that it's having on people are also largely negative. But then, as I said in my last podcast, they're also largely, some of them are largely positive in terms of how we are looking at what work means. Our world of work has completely changed. A lot of it, again, for the negative, but a lot of it for the positive. And I think from here on in, companies are going to start looking around and saying, oh, we're able to actually save money and get more productive employees and happier employees without having all this overhead of having to push everybody into a physical space. And I think that a lot of industries that can move to remote working are going to after they see how much money they can save by getting rid of the physical overhead. I don't know if all the changes are going to be positive and constructive for the employee workforce, but I know that some of them will be. Industries such as, for example, the legal field that has long been behind the curve in terms of updating how they do things, I think are starting to finally understand that they need to be technologically involved and invested so that their operations are not disrupted if something like this ever happens again. So I think um, technological advances are going to speed up even more. And I think our collective adoption of a different frame of mind of how to incorporate technology with our day-to-day lives, I think that's going to evolve very quickly as well beyond having an iPhone or like the newest you know, Samsung Galaxy or whatever, I think we're going to find more constructive, productive, and healthy ways to use technology to carry the burden of work. I just, as a side note, despite the fact that the quarantine has had many negative impacts on me as a person and on other people, um, the fact that I've been able to work from home as an educator has been frankly really wonderful i mean it, like the the disadvantages of like not having the social interaction are clear and apparent but the fact that i get to sleep in later and be rested from my job every day and the fact that i have zero commute the fact that i'm able to spend more time with my daughter and my family members and the fact that i'm able to more efficiently manage my students and my classroom because we have this technology that allows us a tighter control over our work and learning environments, these have all been wonderful boons to my mental health, my physical health, and my emotional health. And I am unashamed of saying that. And I really enjoy the opportunity to conduct remote learning with my students. And you have to obviously make some adjustments, but once you continue to, once you accept the differentiation that comes with remote learning. And once you embrace the world of technology and the virtual world, and you try to evolve within that mindset, the possibilities of delivering a solid world-class education are endless. And um, I really do hope that to a certain degree, we can integrate these new systems into how we actually deliver education. Mainly because I'm seeing that for certain students who shall obviously remain nameless because we're not gonna go there. For certain students, having the one-on-one attention, the lack of classroom distractions, the lack of dramatic distractions as teenagers 
tend to create when they're together and the quiet that they have around their study time and the focus that they're able to have around their study time because of the virtual online experience is actually really helping them to succeed. I'm seeing students who have been struggling their entire times at my school who are now blossoming due to the virtual online learning experience because we're able to give that individual attention. They're able to have peace and quiet and focus and tranquility in their surroundings such that the work becomes the focus and not the drama or the distractions or you know, the kids in the classroom who, you know, decide to show up and not behave well. And I'm seeing kids that I had no idea could really rise, you know, past certain things. They are breaking these boundaries and I could not be prouder. So bringing it back to my original point, I think that the new innovations and evolutions we're experiencing can actually be very positive if we embrace the change. And that is something that I have basically been learning the entirety of March, whereas January and February felt like I was tying up a lot of loose ends, so to speak. And um, it also felt as though the world, at least my world, was in utter chaos. The cataclysmic events of the COVID-19 pandemic has actually, in a really strange, ironic way, brought a lot of peace into my personal world. At the same time, I'm feeling anxious and depressed sometimes, obviously, and scared. It's very peaceful in many ways for me. And I'm not saying you guys have to feel that way. I'm not saying that it's not a horrible experience for other people. So I'm trying to be compassionate while also expressing my gratitude and reflecting on my gratitudes. But for me personally, um, March has been a very transformative month in a mostly positive way, impacting me physically, um, intellectually, job-wise, emotionally, and mentally in a positive way. So having said that, the things that I was able to achieve, I I was able to achieve during the month of March, grammar apparently being... One of them, obviously. Um, The things that I actually achieved during the month of March had a lot to do with my TV writing. So as you guys know, because I told you guys this about two weeks ago, I'm working on a new pilot, which is a dystopian apocalyptic pilot. And I've gotten, um, let me, I'm trying to do some math here. I've written about 12 pages of the pilot itself and then maybe five more pages of other episodes in the series because I'm writing the whole series, um, well, the the whole first season of this series. I'm working on that right now, but I'm mainly focusing on developing the pilot of this series as well as the TV Bible for this series. So I've been getting a lot done around that. I've slowed down a little bit recently because now that we're in a virtual online teaching space, I have to obviously make room for that in my full-time work hours. So I am working on that as a theater teacher and I'm also grading and I'm also homeschooling my daughter who's at home with me. So um, in the past week or so, I've had to pull back a little bit on the writing, but I'm still getting a lot more writing done in the past 
month of March. I got more writing done in March than I got in January and February combined. I actually probably got more writing done in the past school year combined just in the month of March because I have this new flexibility. So working on that, um, I'm also working on editing my When in Rome series and pilot. I also transcribed four pages of another pilot I have been working on years ago that I dusted off recently. And then I dusted off another series that I had written in stage play format. And I picked it back up and I started reading through it again. And I was just like, wow, this is actually really good. So I haven't really done anything with this particular stage play, but I will be transforming it into a TV series pilot way down the line. It's not something I'm working on right now, just something I'm reading for inspiration and honestly for an ego boost because you guys know as a writer, we have ups and downs and we have different levels of confidence with regard to how we are actually doing. And when I'm feeling like I suck as a writer, reading that stage play makes me feel like I am a boss, a badass boss. So that's what's happening with TV writing. With world building, I'm working on the world building for When in Rome and the post-apocalyptic dystopian series I'm working on right now. And obviously with theater teaching, I told you the update on that. We're not going back anytime soon. Um, and I've been spending a lot of time during the day uh, doing virtual online teaching. And for theater directing, unfortunately, we just got the news about a week ago that The Color Purple musical will be canceled, which is obvious and understandable and reasonable, but it's still really sad because our cast is amazing and um, the choreography was looking great and we had some really big plans and dreams for how the show was gonna unfold. And it was a great sort of social cultural impact. It had a great social cultural impact on our school and on our cast, especially being that we had an all-female cast, which was amazing. So TV writing, world building, theater directing, theater teaching, and then finally, as I told you guys before, Creative Uni is on fleek. So I just finished redoing Shonda Rhimes' TV writing masterclass, again, virgin brain, and then I finished reading her year of yes her sort of memoir, semi-memoir, um, on how to dance it out, stand in the sun, and be your own person, which I really enjoyed in many ways. And just on a side personal note, it was really nice to hear a Black woman love on herself, give herself props, and celebrate her successes, even as she's talking about her vulnerabilities and her failures, so to speak. So it was beautiful, it was inspiring, and I really enjoyed it. I also um, started, I got maybe about 75% of the way through Lee Jessup's book, Getting It Right, W-R-I-T-E, An Insider's Guide to a Screenwriting Career. I started rereading The Coffee Break Screenwriter, but the, the newer edition, which has TV writing in it, and it's great and wonderful. I also started creating a workbook for The Coffee Break Screenwriter because I like to actionalize I don't think that's a word. I like to make actionable. That's the better way of saying it. I like to make actionable the stuff that I'm reading and experiencing. I don't just like reading something and then moving on. I like to read it and then apply it. So creating this workbook based off of her book is my way of turning my knowledge that I'm gaining into 
an actual actionable step-by-step screenwriting mini class for myself. And when I'm done, I think I'm going to actually like send the author, Pilar Alessandra, a copy of the workbook in case she might want to like copyright it or something and, and sell it as a companion with her book. Um, because if you just, I'm going to show you the book right now for those of you who are looking at the video, beautiful, gorgeous book. Um, there's space in here where you can actually write things and fill things out. But once you do that in the book, you won't be able to work on any other screenplays because you would have already used that space. So um, I'm creating a workbook as I'm reading through the book for myself. And then if she wants to see it or look at it or use it, she'll be able to do that too because it's her. It's her intellectual property, not mine. But I do reserve the right to create my own materials that are good for me as long as I don't distribute them to anybody. I'm also rereading Writing the TV Drama Series by Pamela Douglas, which I also have here. I think this is the most recent edition here. And again, a lot of the stuff in here I know already, so to speak. But I'm going into this with the virgin brain of I don't know anything and I'm just going to be back in the happy-go-lucky, just ignorance is bliss stage of being a writer because I need that in order to continue to create with reckless abandon and with joy because sometimes as writers we tend to lose the joy in what we're doing because we're so focused on trying to be good that we're not focused on enjoying the process and we're not focused on the rush and the happiness of learning something new. So, virgin brain. I also want to show you guys a bunch of other books that I'm going to be reading and picking up. Uh, if I can look at, look at this library right here. Look at this. This is not even all the books either, but I'm going to display each one on the video and I'll read it out for you guys who are not watching this on video but if you're listening to the podcast so I already showed you the writing a tv drama series book I already showed you the coffee break screenwriter book um writing the tv drama series by the way is written by Pamela Douglas and I'm reading the third edition the coffee break screenwriter book is written by Pilar Alessandra and I am currently reading the second edition Getting It Right, W-R-I-T, An Insider's Guide to a Screenwriting Career, here you go, is written by Lee Zahavi Jessup, and she's a career coach for TV writers, showrunners, and screenwriters in Hollywood. Amazing. She is the bomb. I obviously, at some point, when I feel like my portfolio is ready, I'm going to be engaging her services. Um for career coaching, because if I want to grow, I need to invest, and that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm also reading this amazing book that I started reading a long time ago but never finished, but it's an amazing resource, Small Screen, Big Picture, A Writer's Guide to the TV Business, all right, written by Chad Gervich, amazing book, and I'm impacted by this, not only because it's telling me the current state of the industry because I'm super interested in TV more so than anything else but it's teaching me it's basically giving me a master class on how I would be able to open up and operate my own production house and TV network which as you guys know is important to me because my ultimate goal is to 
open, operate, and develop for Rebel Ragdoll Productions and for two particular TV networks that I want to build and own myself, wherein I will be able to develop sci-fi, fantasy, action, thriller, and horror properties for and by and about people of color. So that is my ultimate dream, being a media mogul, media maven. And reading that book, Small Screen Big Picture, is giving me a amazing blueprint as to how I'd be able to do that independently. So I'm really enjoying that book a lot. I'm also going to be reading Bite Size Television, Create Your Own TV Series for the Internet by Ross Brown. Okay. I'm also reading the entire Save the Cat trilogy. There's Save the Cat, Save the Cat Strikes Back, and Save the Cat Goes to the Movies. Not necessarily in that order, but all written by Blake Snyder. All amazing works. Um, definitely, I would say, every single screenwriter's Bible. Bible trilogy that you absolutely need to invest in. And that's if you're writing screenplays or television. I'm also rereading, because I read this in the past, I'm rereading the TV Writer's Workbook, A Creative Approach to Television Scripts by Ellen Sandler. She actually was a comedy writer, I think on Everyone Loves Raymond and a few other shows, but this book is amazing and her techniques are really amazing. This is a whole masterclass on comedic writing and on TV writing just in general. So definitely read this. I will be reading it again. This one I'm reading, or will be reading, because I haven't started yet, is The 21st Century Screenplay, A Comprehensive Guide to Writing Tomorrow's Films by Linda Aronson. I actually just saw this book as a suggested also buy on Amazon after I went crazy with restocking my library with all these books. And I read the blurb and I read the first few pages. I looked at the table of contents and I decided I was in love and wanted to invest completely. So I'm doing that. I'm also going to be reading this, which is also an also buy suggestion from Amazon. It's called Your Screenplay Sucks, 100 Ways to Make It Great by William N. William M. Ackers, A-K-E-R-S. Um, again, I have not read this book yet. But if there are a hundred reasonable, not reasonable, a hundred comprehensive is the word I wanted to use. If there are a hundred comprehensive tips to help me be a better writer and I can apply each tip in writing exercises and to my current teleplays and screenplays, this book is going to get devoured. So I'm excited about that. I'm also reading or going to be reading, excuse me, The Nutshell Technique, Crack the Secret of Successful Screenwriting by Jill Chamberlain. Super excited to read this. It seems relatively short, but um, I'm always interested in looking at different ways to approach my writing. So I have never heard of The Nutshell Technique. I hope that it's going to be something that will blow my mind or at least provide, you know, some great information. I assume it will because the reviews are excellent. And then I have what I consider to be the two ultimate Bibles of 
any screenwriter's library and one of them even calls itself the screenwriter's bible <laughs> it's literally called the screenwriter's bible a complete guide to writing formatting and selling your script this is the fifth edition by david trottier um if you don't know anything about screenwriting especially about formatting this is the ultimate guide to formatting it'll tell you how to write for example not just phone dialogue but how to write dialogue where two people are speaking at once how to you know form just basically format your screenplay on a basic level but then also how to like use certain tricks and techniques that most screenwriters use like how to write a montage for example most people see that those are in films but you don't see how to actually do the montage in a screenplay and then also you should have the hollywood standard by christopher riley second edition the complete and authoritative guide to script format and style so highly recommend it i also have a whole bunch of other books that i don't have in my physical possession that are basically crowding my kindle right now which is great because i love to read i really do um, and I'm not going to go through all 86 more of those books because <laughs> I have 86 more books I'll be reading. But um, I'll go through a few of the series, which I think are important. I'm going to be reading the Story Maps series by Daniel Cavisi. Um, so he says Story Maps, How to Write a Great Screenplay. Story Maps, 12 Great Screenplays, where he breaks down 12 actual amazing screenplays. So I'm super excited about that. I'm going to be reading... Story Solution by Eric Edson, Set Up and Payoff by Hilary Bell, Writing Without Fear, I'm going to be rereading that because I really love that book by Sterling Anderson, Dialogue Secrets by William C. Martel, Writing for Emotional Impact, which I'm super excited to read by Carl Iglesias, who's a teacher, I think, at UCLA or something like that. I'm also going to be rereading Jen Grisanti's TV Writing Toolkit, How to Write a Script That Sells. And I'll be reading, of course, Robert McKee's story, which is like a 300, maybe 500 page tome, 500 page tome um, about writing story. So there are a lot more books and I'll be giving you guys a full comprehensive list of them as I go through. And actually, I'll probably include it in the bottom of this video and the bottom of this podcast if you're experiencing me on the podcast so you can go and put on your own virgin brain and read all the stuff that i'm reading and work on your screenwriting and tv writing skills oh another book i'm excited to read is the complete guide to screenwriting for children's film and television which as a side note as a single mom of a five-year-old and as someone who has basically been raising my daughter since she's been in the womb we have watched quite a bit of children's film and tv quite a bit and for that reason i think honestly moms and dads who are very closely involved with their with their children are probably some of the best candidates for being tv writers for children's shows because it's literally all we watch <laughs> For at least a few years so um, I'm excited to read that but um, there are a bunch of other books here that I would love to give props to William Rabkin's writing the pilot and writing the pilot creating the series etc the writer's advantage by Laurie Shear I can go on and on about all these books but I'm not I'm just gonna put the exhaustive list in my podcast 
um, notes and in my video notes and you guys can pick and choose what you decide is the most important to read in any case um, that's it for me guys I get basically gave you my Q1 update and gave you the COVID-19 update I am trying my best to just keep my eyes forward focus on my work focus on my daughter and her homeschool and focus on being the bright happy creative that I've always identified myself as and going into this new world of change with virgin brain in terms of just trying to keep an open mind, embrace the unknown and the uncertainty, embrace the potential creativity of having a blank slate in front of me on all different fronts. And I hope that you guys are doing well, that you can also find your own path through this really uncertain and crazy time. I hope that you guys can continue to embrace your creativity at this time because creativity really does save lives and this is when we need it the most. And I'm not saying you should force yourself to be creative, but you should definitely use creativity as a method of keeping yourself afloat and keeping yourself well, healthy, and alive. And if you need help with that, just reach out. I'm always here. I'm going to be here <laughs> for a while, God willing, in terms of me being alive. But also, I'm just going to be here, here in my office space, in my house, for the unforeseeable distant future. So I'll be around and I will be trying to give you guys more podcasts and just more touch points. And it's also just healthy for me to do as well. It keeps me focused on what is important and what I care about. And it just keeps me connected in my own way. So I will see you guys either next week or in a few days, depending on how quickly I can get these lesson plans out. <laughs> but in the meantime, stay badass, keep it indie, keep creating. And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.